Welcome to Coffee with a Pro episode four of season two and this is a, a special ep edition episode where we're going to be talking to some of our third years who have recently finished putting up their final degree show. Um, hopefully you've been able to check it out. It's also you'll be able to see the work on Instagram. So I'm joined by Zoe Burgess, Futo Alamotawa and Bryony Kajul who will be uh, presenting and talking about their final projects. So we're going to start with you Zoe, so hello. Hello. Thank you for joining us today um, and, and talking about your project. So I'm going to introduce your project a little bit first and then um, you'll be able to probably tell us a bit more about it. Obviously I've seen some of your project and, and seen it in a degree show, um, but hopefully a couple of you listening out there uh, will be able to see this on the Instagram later. So Zoe's project is called The Story of Us, and it is a community project that aims to bridge the age divide in the UK on a local level by encouraging people of different generations to mix based on their interests rather than focusing on generational stereotypes. Um, and I think what's quite nice is your project really focused on a specific area, which was the town of Alton in Hampshire, um, which is where you're, you're from. And it was quite nice to really see that kind of drill down from something that perhaps was going to be the whole of the UK and then became uh, very specifically altered and became a really specific project that addressed this really interesting and quite specific project. Um, and yeah, there's lots of different things you produced around that. So there's a, a newsprint educational booklet and we can also talk about a little bit about how you went kind of deciding on those paper stocks and, and production. There's a map of the town and there's kind of an interactive booklet where you can kind of use these stamps to, to kind of show your interests. And then you encourage residents to explore areas around the town that are dedicated to different kind of talking points um, to get your kind of audience talking and, and uh, discussing with each other. So, I mean, really, firstly, eh, how, how did you find the final major project now that you've kind of just come to the end of it? Yeah. Um... It was definitely a long process, I found, particularly with my project. It took a while for me to sort of refine the idea enough where I had enough to work with and start creating visuals. Um, but sort of once I had that initial area down, I, I really enjoyed it. And I think it's turned out to be one of my actually probably the favourite project that I've done at uni, which is nice. Nice one to end on. Definitely. I think it's great that your, I mean, your FMP really should be like the thing that's the front of your portfolio at this stage. So that's really good to hear. Um, and I think like, let's talk about like the, the brief itself. I mean, it's a really interesting project in that you you really, I mean, the age divide. Um, you're obviously the expert now in this area a little bit. So having done that research, do you want to kind of tell us a little bit about what the age divide is and what you was hoping to achieve? Um, yeah, so when I first started looking into it, um, it's quite overwhelming because there's a lot of different ways that it, that it shows itself across the UK. Um, so some areas are quite age divided because of different ages requiring different things at different stages of their lives. So sort of city versus rural, but also um, like a technological divide. So some obviously older generations don't have the same technological knowledge, which stops people communicating together. Um, and when I looked into that a bit further, in order to make it something that I thought was was able to make a realistic difference, um, I looked more at like a local town and particularly my town, which is Alton, um, which I've lived in my entire life. And I thought it was actually quite a 
interesting case study because we've got a college, sort of for 16 to 18, two secondary schools, loads of young families, but then we also have retirement complexes and retirement homes. Um, but I never really see any of the ages mixing across the town. So I sort of wanted to focus in on creating more of a sense of community across the town by encouraging people to mix based on that and more of a ended up going for more of the emotional side rather than the data driven side which I could have ended up with with like some of the technology technological elements um and things like that. Do you want to expand on that a little bit more so what do you kind of mean like this kind of data driven or, or kind of the emotional side what um was that kind of like presenting the data around these these kind of age groups? Yeah so I did um initially I did some surveys and things and I looked a lot at data visualisation and infographics and things like that and how other campaigns to fix the same problem had shown a lot of graphs and things to show that this generation has less knowledge on this generation and this generation is happier than this other generation but when you look at it you don't get the sense of the actual people involved and the actual impact it has on them and so I sort of reformatted what I was asking people in my survey um, and ended up asking them to describe how they spent different periods of their lives and the actual people element side of it was way more interesting and I found out so so like my gran did one of the surveys for me and I talked to my gran quite a bit and I know I feel like I know her quite well but then when I started asking her these specific questions she came out and said when she was younger she used to go dancing and play tennis and do all these things that I never knew she did that actually you can see a lot of similarities between the responses I got at older generations and how they spent their time compared to younger generations. And it was that sort of connection that I thought was more impactful than just looking at the data. That's really, that's quite really, yeah, it's really kind of beautiful kind of story there, isn't it? And I guess what, you know, thinking again about students who are perhaps going to be taking on the FMP, I think that that interview, that kind of getting that information and asking those quite personal questions sounds to me like it really kind of drove the project than just relying on those kind of hard statistics. I mean what really drove you at the beginning to start this project? How did you find this as, a, as you know like your starting point? Um, it kind of came out of nowhere so I, I know I wanted to do something social orientated because um, after especially after the visual ethos project where we have to sort of describe what we wanted to do with our career and how we saw ourselves as our designers and things um, I knew that I wanted to do something that actually meant something to individuals rather than like a mass like sort of advertising thing not that there's anything wrong with that but it's just not my sort of area um, and so I looked at things that actually impacted communities that I knew and ended up going on the Asia Divide because it was something that I know I'd seen around and had experienced and it sort of was that that I thought I could make something interesting out of this. Nice. I think, yeah, really nice to hear like how, you know, focusing on communities and individuals as a kind of driving point of the FMP. And I think it's got a really nice name as well, you know, the story of us. And if anyone looks at the aesthetics of it, it has, you know, really nice kind of uh, colour scheme going on and it kind of really draws you in. And it, it focuses on these different hobbies. I mean, do you want to talk a little bit about how the actual FMP now works, your solution to the age divide in Alton? Yeah. Um, so... What I did was I looked at how people like saw different generations stereotypically 
And I thought one of the ways that you could get people to mix across from that is based on interest. So I looked at, picked a few different interests out and basically formulated a conceptual event and a pre-event pack that would be delivered to residents that in, contained this information booklet about which had quotes from two contrasting generations and their similarities in them and sort of the benefits of mixing across this aside from just data um, and then it also contained a map for areas around the town that you could go to to mix based on these interests and meet other people uh, like a stamp booklet so you can make customize this postcard with your own sort of story of your interests and um, to try and get past that stereotype again and then some when you'd go there there'd be like spatial things um, and conversation starters on the table and things like that to try and get you talking and break that initial barrier when you talk to people that's kind of what it consists of so really kind of trying to overcome like you say that initial barrier and creating these kind of zones within an actual town where people would kind of come to and, and kind of share their their hobbies and interests as a way of kind of bridging that gap. So really, I think it's a really good solution. I think it's really quite interesting to see it. Again, I know that it's been challenging at times and to, to see that evolve. I mean, what next for this project? Is it something you have approached Alton City Council about? Is it something you're going to initiate or? I I actually, I really do want to. Yeah, I want to try and take it further and make it something real. Um, because I, f I feel like it could work. Um, so I kind of, I do want to approach the council, the town council, and just see what they say and how they feel about it. And yeah, see where I mean, it goes. What, what were the challenges, uh, you know, along the way? What were the really kind of low moments of the FMP? And how did you kind of get out of those? Oof. Um, <laughs> it's definitely a bumpy journey isn't it it's not all kind yeah. of like in a all going well there's always points where well yeah I'll, I'll let you kind of explain a bit um so the first initial bump was trying to break it down into something that was a manageable project because like you said earlier I was focusing on the entire of the UK first and that it was just too much and there were too many different factors that I didn't think I could make a concise project so it took me a while to boil that down to like a local community and also um, I struggled a lot with creating the actual identity for something that I feel could connect people across generations so I sort of flip-flopped a lot and ended up designing things that I knew would work for my age group and then I thought that the terminology that I'm using so one of the names I looked at was like Gen S and then the terminology of that wouldn't appeal to an older age group necessarily so it was it was that trying to find a balance of something that I think could initially draw in a few different age ranges um, rather than what I already knew, which was which was challenging because I've never really done that before. Nice. And, and now thinking a little bit like the second years coming up to third years and our first years coming to second years, I mean, what was your, what would be your kind of takeaway advice, particularly, I guess, when managing large projects? Um, Make sure it's something you're interested in and you enjoy is just the top thing because uh, I know obviously you have to try a few different things when you're going through your degree to find what you like. So I did some things in first and second year that I wouldn't choose to do now because I know that it's not my interest now. Um, but I think if I'd have chose something that wasn't sort of social orientated and community orientated for my FMP, I wouldn't have been as invested in it. And then when you hit those bumps, you'd be more inclined to just slow down and just do whatever's easiest rather than what you know 
you like and is going to work for this project. So I think, yeah, just make sure it's something you're interested in and just keep trying different things. And I I'm, feel a bit hypocritical to say that because I always like was really bad with experimentation before I actually did things. But I really tried for this last one to just make sure I went out into town and did like rubbings of different textures around the town and things that I wouldn't normally do. And I think all those little bits together helped me get to where I was in the end. So just keep trying things. Definitely agree with that advice. Um, Bryony and Puto, do you have any kind of thoughts on Zoe's project? I know you've both seen this as well kind of growing and... Yeah, I mean, because um, I, I also live in Alton, so I kind of see um, all the little bits and kind of recognise uh, like what pictures are what. Um, and I think especially in Alton, I think the idea of the project is really good because there is such a divide in the age groups. Um, and like from where Zoe first first started to where she is now, like it's really like come along. And if you did go to the council, I can imagine it would be like a great thing to do because there is such a divide in Alton. Shall we talk about your, um, thank you, sorry, I think that was a really interesting project to share and I really hope, you know, if anyone's listening, do go to our Instagram, which is at BA underscore GA underscore WSA and along with the kind of podcast, we'll, we'll put up some more images. Um, but I think, yeah, really interested to hear your project. I think we will go talk to, you know, everyone here and each project is very different and I think it was a really interesting project that you undertook. It was a very you know, you, you identified a, a problem that was, you know, really an issue of concern within community and used your passions to kind of come up with some really interesting solutions through, you know, the means of graphic arts and graphic design to to resolve that. It's a, it's a really nice project, so do check it out. Um, Bryony, let's, let's talk about your project as well. Um, so I'll introduce this a little bit. So it's the, called the Blue Mind Foundation. Um, this is a kind of proposal for a charity that really explores the benefits of water on mental health. Um, so your research explored how sound of water, swimming in water, or even looking at or being near water can improve mental well-being. And it's a very, I think with this one, the visuals are very impactful. Um, Brian's quite an experimental student and they really, really come together as these really vibrant uh, images. There's a range of outcomes, uh, including a booklet, posters, and a website and a piece of motion um, that really kind of show what what this charity is about and I think I you know it's an interesting project I know I had to write a few risk assessments um, for Brownie kind of jumping into a lake and photographing people but yeah really cool project so I think really the first thing is maybe you could explain a little bit about what you know what your research has under, uncovered why you were interested in this project and you know what are the benefits of water on our mental health? Um, I think the reason why I kind of want to do something um, based around mental health and how to Im improve it, I think it was due to lockdown and COVID where um, I saw loads of articles where people like the rise of mental health was um, at an all-time high um, and how many people were just struggling um, and I just kind of want to look at benefits um, about like how to improve it um and not even just like going to see somebody but just doing something really small in like your day-to-day -day life and how much it can have such an improvement 
Um, and I came across this random article that spoke about like water improving mental health. Um, and it kind of just got me hooked as soon as I read the article because it was such a different way of like thinking about how to improve someone's mental health. Like it's just such a, it's not going to the doctors, it's not, you know, exercise. It's just something as simple as like going to a river or going to the ocean. Um, and I think so many people could have like benefited it during lockdown, um, especially as being cooped up inside. It's such like, a good experience to get outside. Thanks, really nice to hear how that project, that idea came about as well, just from my, I guess everyone's experience because we haven't really mentioned it, but obviously COVID has had a massive impact on, you know, all of your final major projects. Half of your FMP was kind of in a lockdown, um, not perhaps with access to the studio. And yeah, I think again, really nice to see an FP challenging a, a project that you know that you want to do good and want to want to have impact with it. Mm. I mean, what? So sh should we talk about like the outcomes a little bit? What was your kind of solution to this this problem, or not problem? I think you've identified the problem, and I think like the solution, which I think was quite nice, is that again, it's about getting people encouraging your audience, um, you know, to to engage more with with kind of water and natural environments as a solution to the problem but then how did you kind of design for that what was your design approach um I think that the design outcome I found it quite difficult to kind of start with because I'd done so much research and just was reading up on a lot of it and then I wasn't really sure on how to do it um like creatively um and kind of get it across and not make it look like just a normal charity um, so I definitely experimented a lot with like the movement of water, played around with loads of text um, and actually put like a piece of paper with letters on in a river and in water and just played around with the movement. Um, I just wanted to create something that was like super eye catching and just completely different to a normal charity. So people would actually not just want to read about it, but also can look at it and it not just seem like a boring design yeah I think that's a fair point I mean there's there's, there's there's good charity design out there but I know what you mean sometimes it comes across quite clinical maybe or yeah not quite as as exciting and I think yours definitely has I know in the degree show particularly you know it grabs your attention it has a very contemporary um look to it so it does stand out and I, I think definitely there's your I mean you as a designer is much kind of maybe perhaps not focusing so much on maybe the, the small micro typography details, but much more kind of like, let's start experimenting, let's cut things up, let's risograph them. And I think photographing, you know, photographing the type in the river was a really interesting way of, you know, developing visuals in response to your your theme as well. Um, oh, that's my train of thought. Yeah, no, that was it. I think what was quite interesting was you, had to go at this didn't you you went yeah part of your project you actually went and jumped in a lake and um maybe you can tell people about kind of like what how did you find it did it have did it kind of make you feel better in yourself yeah um well I for a good couple like a good month or so every kind of spare day I had off I would go to like a lake or the like I went to Hay Island which is by the sea quite a lot and it wasn't great weather um, like we've got now. It was quite rough and quite cold. Um, but 
the, it was the feeling of kind of like after you get out you feel like more energized just like you can do more in your day instead of just doing nothing um and it's just the feeling of feeling like free and just being there and not just dealing with everything else because you're just focusing on on the water and how it feels um it was pretty cold but it was really good and I think quite brave but I think it sounds yeah like it was really you know really positive thing to do and I think if there's anyone listening who's who perhaps are interested you know is interested in this and and kind of because I yeah I think your research has shown that um you know open freshwater swimming or even just going to the sea can be really good for you your mindfulness and well-being so if anyone's listening in and they want to um kind of get involved what, what would you recommend that they do um obviously don't go alone um because there is health and safety risks um but always make sure you bring warm clothes afterwards because it can get pretty cold it's fine probably in the summer but in the winter um it definitely is really cold um and if it's quite stormy probably wouldn't go fully in because I went once to Hailing Island and the waves were bigger than me and yeah it was quite quite interesting. I mean are there the kind of clubs out there that you can join? Yeah definitely there is loads of clubs um there is this website called Outdoor Swimming um and they have a long long list of different clubs all over the UK where you can join and everyone's really friendly you don't have to pay for anything. Good I think it's useful I think it's just apologize I don't know if you can hear in the background here there's like a tree surgeon outside so <laughs> if you can hear that on the podcast then I apologize and so FMP what were like the the high points and then what were the low points for you? Um, I think the high points where everything kind of fell into place like I kind of figured out what I was doing what I needed to do kind of what my I was how I was going to make my outcomes um there were definitely a lot of low points especially because it was locked down um and I couldn't go to the studio I, I found it quite difficult to make anything by hand um and just sitting at my laptop and trying to create something when I'm definitely more hands-on person so as soon as we could get back into the studio it was like go time for me and I could actually do proper work I think that yeah that's fair comments and I think that falling into place I mean it did come I think I remember seeing your projects a couple of weeks before the crit and it, it all kind of just happened at once didn't it yeah. and I think maybe people should sometimes not perhaps you know it's allowing that time for which I think you did for the experimentation before jumping ahead and, and kind of finishing this mm -hmm. up again would you take this project further is there any way you'd explore it I would, there's, I mean, I look back at like what I've created now and I see everything I could improve on and how I could take it further and make it into a more complete um, project and almost actually create a full on um, like charity almost so that people can read up on it and it not just have like small bits, but like it complete and everyone can actually read it and find it helpful. Um, nice and I think thank you for sharing your project I think it was really it was a really interesting project the way that you know you went about this and the the subject matter that you dealt with I mean takeaway points for future students students who are kind of currently there to kind of get the most out of university what would they be 
Um, live in the studio 24-7. Um, you can stay there till nine o'clock. Um, and don't don't give up if you're finding it really hard. Yeah, I think they're, they're two really good points. And I think especially being in the studio, you, you network, you have others to really help you through because yeah. there are those always difficult points along the way, isn't there? There's always those, those kind of dips and it's kind of getting out of them and getting to the, the end of the project. Well, thank yeah. you, Bryony. Um, and now I think we'll go to Futor, who is here to talk about a magazine that she's put together. So Futor's project looks at the significant gap in Arabic graphic design uh, resources and guides. Um, and this is you know, a concern for designers when it comes to employability uh, in graphic design careers. And Futor's magazine aims to collect and share Arabic graphic and type design resources to educate designers on the history and culture of Arabic script. So would you like to tell us a little bit more about your project? Yeah, so it's called Adad magazine. Um, and I named it that because Arabic is the only language that has that letter. Um, but yeah, it started off as I know I wanted to re like I know that I wanted to research more into Arabic graphic design. Um, I think I started researching like within it in first year probably. But my my reasoning for like not kind of going deep into it was there wasn't any resources. Like I remember in first year we did the the podcast brief, the posters, and I used Arabic type on there. But I remember finding like six Adobe fonts and I was like, what is this? Why isn't there more? Um, so as, when this project came along, I was like, okay, we're doing this. We're going deep into it. Um, so first I wanted to create a typeface that was like my aim my goal I was like typeface yes but then as I got into my research I realized there's there isn't like for example I could google how to design a type a Latin typeface and I would do that within like let's say a year but like there is resources within it but as I the more research I had the more I was like I can't do this because not because of me but because of the limitations around me and the only way I was getting resources or kind of learning more about it is through speaking to practitioners, interviews with designers, attending talks. That was the only way that I was getting resources. There wasn't an actual place that I could go to and be like, okay, these are this is this is the resources. This is what I'm looking at. This is what I want to do. So instead of a typeface, because that that did fix some of the problems that I came across while researching but that's started researching I looked at cultural appropriation of Arabic script which kind of is happening with some type designs some modern Arabic type designs but that's another story so yeah I wanted to fix that problem of sources basically especially for young designers who are just starting or people who are starting to learn Arabic script or non-native speakers that want to learn about it I think it's important to have some type of magazine or a book or whatever um, with all the sources. But yeah, so I decided to make the magazine and that was kind of my solution to the problem. I think, again, it's really well thought out and researched. And the fact, you know, I think this is a nice way of starting an FMP and that something that, that obviously frustrates you and then identifying that as a problem and as, as a gap. And then trying to obviously you can't fix everything, but almost kind of finding a way of improving 
on that that situation i think is really you know really creates an interesting fmp from the from the start um and so really you you created this really kind of quite beautiful uh, editorial publication that you know then becomes this kind of resource and tool and i mean where did you so you talked about like gathering that content and i think that was quite an interesting process in itself so where did the content for your magazine come from everywhere honestly everywhere um i think i interviewed around 10 different type designers and they all lit like they're all arab but they all live in different parts of the world so one of them is in brooklyn one of them is based in london which is fine one of them based in kuwait one of them based wherever so schedule scheduling those calls and getting that the information was like one of the problems let's say i faced um but then some content came from books um, some contests came from online, but then as again, I was researching some content I found in books was wrong, like wrong in a way that the, in my opinion, it was designs based on Arabic type design based on westernized type rather than Arabic type. Um, and I had to differentiate in between, okay, let's look at this. This is right. This is wrong. But then I think it is subjective to a point, mm-hmm. but I think having, because that's the thing, when there isn't an actual resource that is, let's say, peer reviewed or academic resource, you don't know what's right and what's wrong. So that was another problem that I was facing. Like, what what is true and what is not? What do I rely on? What What do I not rely on? But yeah, content came from everywhere. I think I... I attended a talk by Sahar Afshar um, and it was this like University of Cairo talk um, and she afterwards I emailed her and I was like oh I need resources blah blah and she emailed me like a google docs of so many type boundaries that I didn't know about and like typefaces and practitioners so yeah it was definitely the help of other designers. I think that's, I mean, that's a really fascinating thing, you know, as a third year that you have been, you know, contacting other designers, but also networking and kind of getting there for, I mean, are they kind of, I'm guessing these are relationships that you are going to continue to keep and, and build on as you progress. Yeah. Or oh, go on. I think at first it's like scary because you're like, I don't, they're like famous practitioners. I don't want to like message them or bother them, but at the end of the day, the worst thing they can say is no. So I just was contacting everyone I know or everyone that was available. But yeah. I mean, did anyone, I think, before she was listening, did you have any kind of rejections? Or yeah, no? I did. I yeah. did. Some people, because I, I have interviews within the magazine by different practitioners. So some people would talk to me, have no problem, like, video calling me but then I'm like can you answer some questions from my interview from my magazine no so I think it's number one time like especially like I don't know why but around summer people get busier like this time um and also I think some people like ones that are very well known like Yara Khoury and other uh, type designers I think they've already had interviews so for them, it's like repetitive. But yeah, I did have some turndowns. I think that's good to hear because I think, you know, you, you it didn't stop you. And I think that's important. And I think you're right. Do bother people um, because you do, you know, you might bother five people. But if two people get back to you, then that's, the, you know, a connection you've got there. And 
that's you know your your magazine your content of your magazine is unique in that you know it's not just you have you know it's a collection of sources but also actually you're speaking to the designers that are working in this field what next is this magazine i mean it needs to is it going to be published i think that's the thing the the content that i had was was so much for that one issue i think i made 55 pages i designed but there's so much more content so I'm thinking either start a blog where I can put all this online but kind of keep the branding and the theme of the magazine or just kind of create more issues maybe I think get it out there is really I think you've got you've you've kind of made this and I think you know an FMP doesn't have to mm -hmm. to die you know once it's been put up in this exhibition it can continue um and I think you know it's a, it's again a real problem within the design industry and I think you're right that you know there is a real focus on Latin design history and what you know kind of there's always those core people that we refer to and I think raising an awareness of um, you know other type designers and, and other languages and areas of design I think is important so yeah, it doesn't have to end here I think people I, I would like to you know to read this on a blog and kind of learn more as well. I mean, maybe we can talk a little bit about the the production because the production element was, um, you know, producing a magazine mm -hmm. for your FMP. There's a lot of kind of things to think about. So, how did you find the actual making part of this? The making part, I think it was the most challenging because with me, I get so deep into the research that I just want to keep researching and not design anything. <laughs> but then I think, sorry. I think one thing that kept me going was um, design decisions really quickly um, and just kind of when I first started I didn't really I didn't really know half I do know how to design a magazine because of second year but I think my mind went straight to creating a book so I the first design I made the first like flat plans and everything I think I had a tutorial with one of the tutors and they were like is this a book and I was like no no this is a magazine but my mind went straight to designing a book so yeah I think production was hard especially printing I printed it on the risograph and the alignment on the risograph is not easy <laughs> I think Bryony knows it's yeah, not Bryony's kind of nodding there as well so <laughs> uh, but yeah I got through it I think it was the most challenging but the most fun project I've ever done. Sounds good. I think really emphasise the risograph though. I mean it is yeah. a brilliant tool and you both both of you have created kind of in the degree show this huge wall of, of prints. Um if you told yours is kind of a bit more uh let's say ungridded and kind of overlaps and it kind of goes from ceiling to floor and then down onto the floor. And then Bryony has this real nice kind of grid wall to ceiling of of prints in pink vibrant pink, vibrant blue and food tours are in this kind of teal green colour. Um, both of, you know, Rurisograph is, is quite cheap at mass producing all these prints yeah. as well. So it's, yeah, very hard to, like you say, align, but you did do it, I think. You kind of managed to make it work and definitely a good resource to use. So, I mean, what's next, food tour, for you? You're going on to do a uh, master's, is that right? Yeah, so the research I've done this year is hopefully going to continue um, I'm doing an MA typeface design at University of Reading. 
Cool. So we will look forward to kind of seeing seeing more of this research and hopefully seeing it a bit more published as well and creating those peer-reviewed journals. Um, I think, yeah, definitely, you know, identifying a gap that's come out of your FMP and, and that then I think another thing to see for, you know, some FMPs, they, they're a project at a moment in time and they become part of your portfolio, but sometimes they can continue as well and they can kind of grow and evolve um, with your, your career or your research. Exactly, yeah. Um, any more, any kind of like takeaway points as well for students listening in? I think make design this design decisions quickly and don't procrastinate. That is, that is a tough thing to say. <laughs> Who here procrastinated during their FMP? Yeah, yeah, everyone's nodding. I mean, yeah, I think sometimes it happens. I think procrast like it's part of our like downtime or our processing time. But yeah, it's a tough, tough piece of advice, but a good one. Okay, well, thank you all for kind of sharing your FMP and, um, you know, best of luck with whatever happens next. And we maybe we'll kind of catch up with you again in five years time and uh, see how you're all doing. Thank you, guys. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.